This is Cole. And this is Ron. We are the creative team. Asking the tough questions like, Hey Cole. Yeah, Ron? What if Hulkamania never ran wild? Hey, Ron. Yes, Cole? What if Rick wasn't ravishing? That's rude. (laughs) Hey, Cole, I got an idea. I can see that. Hey, Ron, I got an idea. I love it. My sister, Candace Murray. Look, up in the sky, it's the creative team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever episode of the creative team i am your host cole dawson and with me as always my hashtag team partner ron kilborn and as y'all can hear we've upgraded a little bit uh so ron how you feeling about the new podcast and the upgrades we've made to our sound really excited for this new revitalization of our show we've we've listened to our audience and it's across the board. Everyone loves our nostalgia fantasy stuff. Everyone likes us talking about the top tens, our brackets, our fantasy drafts. And really, that's just what it is. We want to offer our audience a chance to be a fly on the wall for some good wrestling talk. Like, you know, I growing up didn't have a lot of wrestling friends. And I was just on an island by myself. Yes. So if I can, So if I can be in a room with, you know, people my age talking so nerdily about wrestling i'm a happy guy so i think we're on to something here i'm ready to have fun i'm ready to have some debates i'm ready to reminisce about the good times in pro wrestling and you know maybe you know talk about some recent stuff but in a fantasy perspective because you know we did the reviewing thing but everyone does that we're gonna go back in time and give the audience something special based on what we grew up loving I like doing this because then you kind of get a feel for where the people that are in the business now, what they liked growing up. So when we have guests on, we're going to be talking about their childhood memories instead of, you know, their job. And so (laughs) we'll be getting a fan perspective from them as well. But this works in all walks of entertainment. This works in sports. This, I mean, when I listen to sports talk radio, I love when they start talking about like, well, Who's better, Kobe or Jordan? You know, those kind of conversations are fun. Like, who's the best heavyweight fighter of all time? You know, boxing. And and so uh, we're going to be doing that. And we're going to kick it off today on our debut episode of The Creative Team with our top 10 debuts in wrestling history. I'm very excited about this. Uh, Remember how this was a happy accident, too? Yes. It, It literally just dawned on us. This is a topic that I didn't know I needed. Because as I was coming putting together this list, my nostalgia uh, part of my brain was going off. It was firing on all cylinders. I was reliving some of this stuff. I rewatched some of this stuff. And man, and you know, and I brought this up before we hit record, but I gotta say, like when it comes to debuts, I think the you know the WWF slash E has the market cornered because you know I don't think any other promotion puts forth that type of effort uh, other than just like show up and have their match but i'm going through this list like nobody has like the build-ups the the vignettes i I think that's i think that's a vince mcmahon thing you know uh do you agree or did you Uh, find that the same yeah i there wasn't a whole lot of vignettes even at wcw i will say that there were some great territory 
kind of debuts, but there's just not enough video out there that exists for us to really kind of get into those. Those are more, you know, those are things we haven't really seen. It's stories told by people like, you know, you come out of a box, you're over that kind of shit, you know, and, <laughs> or, or there, there will be a masked man who runs in to help save somebody. And then they take the mask off and it's like, Oh, it's JYD, you know, that kind of stuff. But there's just not a lot of video, unfortunately, of the territories. Um, and even if it does exist right now, it's hard to come by on the network since the cock is cocking it all up. And uh, so we're, you know, I, I got to say it's going to be one of our most WWE, WWF heavy lists. But, you know, it is what it is. Our fandom, especially early on, was almost all WWE for you and I. And, um so this is going to be a great list. There's been some absolutely great debuts. There's been some uh, tragic debuts, <laughs> some unfortunate debuts. And uh, it's quite possible some of those made the list today. Um, let's get into it. I'm so excited. I cannot wait anymore. Ronald, what is your number 10 debut in the history of wrestling? Oh, my number 10. And it's funny that you actually added tragic amongst the descriptions. And I had to go with the most tragic one of all. And, you know, it's it's still meme to this day. It's still repeated to this day. And, you know, the man is making money off of it to this day. And I'm going with the debut of the Shockmaster. Now, this was supposed to be like this big reveal of this big heater, this big gargantuan dude that's supposed to save the day with this big sparkly Stormtrooper mask. And as he pops through the wall, he immediately eats all the shit falls right on his face and then from that point the debut was destroyed nothing ever came of the Shockmaster, but this is still regarded as one of the best debuts ever because of just the absurdity and the freak chance that this would happen to someone on their big debut on television and i just thought that a number 10 spot because of how much it's talked about was fitting for this list the Shockmaster falling through the wall I, I got to say, it is on my honorable mentions list. Uh, I figured this was one of those where I figured, hey, Ron is going to probably go here. So I can maybe leave it off my list to make, so that there's a few more we talk about today. Um, I, I went a little more um, personal with my top 10. <laughs> I personally my, thought this was hilarious. Oh, this was hilarious. It was great. <laughs> but it is really unfortunate because, you know, this was Tugboat, uh, Typhoon making the jump over to WCW, and, and they were putting him in a main event spot. I mean, this was a top spot with the four horsemen and Sting involved, and he just fell flat on his face, knocked the mask off, and after that it just became a joke. And there was no, you know, they... <laughs> We're live, pal. <laughs> Sometimes there's just <laughs> nothing you can do. And so, unfortunately, this didn't go so well for the old Shockmaster, but uh, it will for live on forever in our memories. So, you know what? We forgot to mention something. And so I'm going to mention it now because it ties into my number 10 moment. My sister, Candice LeRae, is now the reigning Women's Tag Team Champion on NXT. Uh, they, Her and Indy Hartwell defeated uh, Shotzi and Ember Moon this past Wednesday 
on the NXT, and uh, I cried for about 45 minutes, not going to lie. Uh, it just was like a leaky faucet for like the next hour after this happened. Uh, it's been awesome. I got to text my sister, uh, you're a WWE champion right now, bro. Like, <laughs> So uh, my number 10 moment would be Candice LeRae making her NXT debut. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, I think, I've, I think I may have won a bet because uh, we had a bet on how long into our first episode you were going to bring up your sibling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I totally and, buried it and forgot to talk about it before we got into our list. <laughs> but, you know, it's great because this th- I thought about putting this on my list too, but I was like, you know what? This is probably where Cole's going to go. This is his gimmick, brother. Got to keep it going. But, yeah, no, I when this happened, uh, when she jumped the barricade and tackled Zelina Vega, and I'm calling that her debut, uh, yeah. You know, I I don't count the uh, the May Young Classic because I th- I think that was just a showcase of the women wrestling. But her debut in NXT was that moment of her jumping the barricade, and I think, you know, well, we're a little biased, but I thought it was a fantastic moment. It was one of those jump out of my couch moments, you know, even as an adult. Uh, but yeah, I like it. I think it. I think it should stay on the list. Yeah, because I don't have I don't have it in me to kick her off the list when we're done. <laughs> Absolutely. So we can just pencil that in right now as on our official top 10 list. You know, that's that's a good way to put it, because I very much doubt we're going to be penciling in this next entry. My number nine is on here strictly to see your face. And this man made his debut at WrestleMania and defeated Chris Jericho. We're going with the one, the only Fondango. Oh. Thoughts? Why? Why? Why are we talking about this jabroni? He beat Chris Jericho. He danced his sweet ass down to that ring and beat Chris Jericho. And, man, no one saw that coming. (laughs) Uh, For good reason. (laughs) For a very good reason. And, oh, my gosh, every time we've had one of these lists, I want to put a troll entrant on there. And I always decide against it for the good of the list. But you know what? I decided, Ron, enough of the good of the list. Let's go with the good of the episode. And I think, I think Fondango on this list, just to see what Cole's reaction would. Hey, to see what the audience reaction is. Because, you know, he was a meme there quite a while after that, the big old dance. And then it just kind of stopped. Yeah, I, I will say it's one of those. It, it was one of those debuts that got enough buzz about it. The character was, it, it got over to the point where people wanted to see it, and then you know people realized that what it was, and uh, he wasn't ready, and and so it's just I, I feel bad for him in a way, um, because we talked about it a couple months ago. He had a tag match on TV where uh, I thought he was incredible. It's one of the better tag matches I've seen in in quite some time, where. He just got his ass kicked and was selling desperately trying to get a tag. So I think Fandango's come around. He's a, he's in that good hand category. I still wouldn't put him over Chris Jericho on WrestleMania, but <laughs> he belongs on the card somewhere. So, but yeah, I, I just, I always feel bad for people. They just get thrown into the deep end and uh, here you go. You don't know what you're doing, but guess what? You're on, you know, featured 20 minute matches on TV. Have fun. Figure it out. <laughs> That's going to bring us to your number nine. Yes, and my number nine is the co- complete opposite. It is uh, guys that we were, as fans, uh, who at, by this point were tape trading, 
were watching some ECW, watching some WCW, you know, cheating on WWF a little bit. And uh, when this group of guys finally made their debut, sitting in the audience uh, and then doing the run-in with DX of all people, when the Radicals made their debut on Monday Night Raw, uh, I thought it was absolutely incredible. It was fantastic stuff, and I haven't been so excited really since, I mean, this era was, there was a lot of great debuts, because this was about a year after the Jericho, and then... um, I mean, oh God, this set up for the the set maybe the second greatest run of roster in WWE history. Um, going back to like the mid '80s when Vince, you know, <laughs> plundered all the territories and got all the top guys in the world in one promotion. Uh, when WCW was on its dying days, they did the same thing. They stockpiled a bunch of guys who were over nationally and people knew who they were, but. To have Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn in the same group debuting at the same time, like, I was excited. And then, of course, they do what they always did and buried them all and shit the bed. But, you know, the debut itself, I thought was a home run. And you know what? Back to WWE doing pageantry debuts, this wasn't at all pageantry. We just kind of looked over and they're sitting in the audience. The first time I saw them was Royal Rumble 2000. I was watching Royal Rumble 2000 and they're just in the audience and like they just and it looked it felt real because they're in the audience and they're like acknowledging them but not really acknowledging them like oh my gosh who's that over there look who's sitting over there and it made me invested because you know I'm 14 at the time and I'm going holy shit they're here what does this mean are they gonna get the ring so many questions it made me tune in the next night so yes uh I I fully support the radicals being on this list Speaking of debuts on pay-per-views, that's going to bring me to my number eight. And, you know, we talked about this. I, I love our top tens because we normally don't talk about, you know, some of these people. All of our favorites, all the top guys, typically didn't really have great debuts. They just, they, they came in sh- with shitty debuts and kind of had to scratch and claw to be the top guys. And then there's, like, really great debuts, but then they kind of, you know, just be just be another guy on the card. And that's this guy. This guy had a crazy debut. Uh, again, I'm 14, and this was a crazy-looking spectacle. And it is when the Big Show came up from under the ring in the cage match and threw Stone Cold Steve Austin out of the through the cage, thus having him win the match because he technically escaped the cage. So yeah, Paul White, the Big Show, uh, coming out of nowhere from under the ring. Throwing Stone Cold Steve Austin out of the cage was a pretty sweet debut. You know, and this was one of the ones that was on the top of my head when I started my list. And uh, it was initially on my list until I dug a little deeper and did some research. Uh, Because this is definitely a memorable one. This is one we've talked about uh, when we did our our top 10 cages, our top 10 cage matches. This was such a memorable moment and such a cool thing that they did. Um, this is maybe one of the best ways to debut someone ever because um, they get over as a monster, but also they really didn't uh, bury S- Steve Austin in this, which was great. Um, so everyone kind of got over, but uh, at the same time, Vince McMahon outsmarted himself. So <laughs> it was some good heel heat without uh, taking the wind out of Austin's sails. So I really enjoyed it. It's a great moment. And I have a feeling that might be on our final top 10 list, but I did end up bumping it just off of my list. So 
It might be my number 11. <laughs> so, my number 8. Uh, now, this one was definitely off the top of my off the top of my head and uh this one also involved a cage if i remember it correctly i mean it, we're getting old and shit starts to run together but uh, i do believe that ray mysterio made his debut uh and jumped off a cage because there was a cage match going on but uh, that one was really cool because they kind of kept showing these graphics you know but it was a mystery of all things like who's coming and you kind of like people in the know knew Maybe that it was Rey Mysterio, but when he finally made his debut, I think it's one of the hottest crowd reactions for a debut ever. Because usually, when a lot of times debuts where it's an impact thing, it's heels making a debut and they shut up the crowd instead of this. But this was like an ultimate babyface pop debut, and uh, it just it stood out in my memory when it, it was one of the first ones I thought of. Rey Mysterio making his debut in WWE. Oh yes, yeah, and then they they gave him the vignette treatment. They would they, they would show like a bunch of his masks and say like you know soon soon, and then finally it was next week, and so he came out and had a match with Chavo Guerrero, and it was a sweet uh, debut match. But then that night there was a there was an angle happening. I forgot who was in the match, but I, I believe Edge McMahon. was involved. Edge was involved, but okay, so then I got the other guy involved. Shane McMahon was involved. Sweet, and uh, and so. While Shane McMahon and his faction are beating up the baby faces, here comes little Ray, scales that cage, does a big crossbody, crowd goes ape shit. So yeah, it wasn't just his, you know, coming out and having a match. He even came out again. That's how successful the debut was. They you know, spent a little more time on him, gave him two segments, a match and a segment, a big go home segment too. So yes, yeah, I I I am all for that too, and I look forward to discussing uh, whether or not he stays. In fact, his debut, the cage was so big, I forgot he had a match earlier on in the night. So, uh, good pull putting this together. But uh, I, I know we talked a little bit, and we usually don't like to give spoilers, but uh, we had some questions amongst each other, and uh, we decided that everything in the entire opening night of their debut counts or or sometimes we even the debut takes i don't know a week or two so yeah <laughs> it's gonna we're, we're we're playing a little loosely with the rules here today ladies and gentlemen as we usually do but exactly no surprise entrance in rumbles unless it's their debut no returns i did i left returns off this needs to be their first day in the company however that is and if it's impactful enough it's going on my list that's just how i played it and boy was my number seven impactful because WrestleMania Monday 2002, I'm watching just a dumpster fire of a hardcore match between Al Snow, Spike Dudley, <laughs> and Maven. And it's just, it is what it is. But then all of a sudden, this big fucking Duke Nukem looking dude with all these tattoos and just impressive as shit just comes in unannounced, no, no theatrics, no pageantry, and just spine busters Al Snow through a trash can, takes Maven and gives what we didn't know was called the F5 then, gave him one of the sweetest looking finishers I've ever seen in my life. That was the first time I ever saw the F5 and then proceeded to powerbomb Spike Dudley until he said, please stop. And then he let him go awkwardly. And <laughs> this is the debut of the beast incarnate Brock Lesnar. Yeah, this is one of the ones I actually did go back and watch this week. Um, because it was super impressive. And, uh, I mean, dude, there. Th this is what I was talking about. A heel debut where everyone just kind of goes, where the crowd is just shocked. 
and in awe. What the hell is happening? Who is this guy? And he's with Heyman, which is already just heat seeking. And uh, I mean, this was an incredible debut. And I think it just perfectly set up what Brock Lesnar was going to be in WWE and uh, absolutely incredible. It is on my honorable mentions, but uh, this is another one may very well make the cut at the end of the show. And, you know, he's no strangers and still shutting people up and quieting the audience. I mean, he still has the most famous moment uh, regarding that reaction to this day, I think. Oh, yes. Ending the streak, uh, the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago where uh, he made Charles lose all of his shit. Good old DJ Barbecue. And ladies and gentlemen, DJ Barbecue will be joining us uh, here and there on the new pod. So don't worry, you'll get your DJ Barbecue fix. But uh, for right now, Brock Lesnar is awesome. And fuck you, Charles. <laughs> Go be a good dad. Uh, so that brings me to my number seven. And this is another one where um, the actual in-ring debut happened earlier on in the episode. And then this was also the closing segment of Raw that really brought everything all together. The night after WrestleMania 14, when Sean lost the title and dropped the ball, uh, Triple H comes out and basically announces, I'm picking up the ball, I'm running with it, I'm the new quarterback of this team. Uh, if Sean can get back, great, but uh, I'm rebuilding and I'm starting with Sean Waltman making his return to the WWF. And uh, out comes X-Pac, he crotch chops, cuts a cool promo, and then at the end of the night, the New Age Outlaws are wrestling Terry Funk and Cactus Jack in a cage match for the tag titles. And uh, here comes X-Pac, here comes Triple H, here comes China, and they decimate Funk and Cactus to the point where this is Funk's last time in WWF, I do believe. Again. This was the last thing he did. Yeah, well, yeah, again, <laughs> one of his many retirements, but... Uh, I mean, they leveled them, they laid them out, and they made it official that DX is four guys strong now with China in their corner as the enforcer, New Age Outlaws, Xbox, the debut of the new DX going forward is my number seven moment. I like it. You know, it's it's not something I considered. You know, uh, like I said, I kind of I kind of excluded quote-unquote returns, but... You bring up a good point. This is the debut of a whole new character for Sean Waltman. He's no longer one, two, three kid. He's no longer six Pac. He's now X Pac. I mean, let's be honest. He's got a Hall of Fame ring because of it. So, yeah, good stuff, man. I never really considered like the formation of DX as a debut, but I, I like it. It should go on there. Yeah, and, and see, I was, I'm a, you know, that's why I love these lists. We get to do whatever we want. Fuck everybody else. <laughs> There's no hard and fast rules. <laughs> yeah, fuck everybody else. It's our list. And you cannot get more fuck everyone else than my number six. Um, I hope this is on your list. If it's not, then I'm glad we're talking about it. But, man, watching this, when it happened, my jaw dropped. But I'm watching a random Raw, and I see Booker T backstage cutting a promo for his match that night. And then all of a sudden, who walks into camera angle? Then Eric Bischoff. And we don't know why he's there. He just walks into camera angle, introduces himself to Book, well, reintroduces himself to Booker T, telling him it's really great to see him. And then Booker T looks back at the interviewer and says, tell me I didn't just see that. And then we come back, and this man walks his ass out there and says, you know, it takes a real son of a bitch to be successful in this business. 
And may I may I introduce you to the new general manager of Raw, Eric Bischoff. And I swear, I was just like, what is happening? Like, literally, what is happening? What is life right now? And then Bischoff comes out there and cuts, like, one of the best promos ever. And just, it made me have to tune into Raw, like, every week. Just because you didn't see this happening. No way. But it just goes to show you how good of a businessman Vince is. He'll bring anybody in if it draws him money. And boy, I think that's the best general manager that's ever been on TV. Um, you know, Eric Bischoff. I thought that whole run was excellent. Yeah, uh, and we're going to talk about this again in a little bit. So I'm not going to get into it too much. Um, but absolutely, the shock and awe was there in this moment. So I will just move on to my number six quickly. Um and you, you, you set me up for this one. This one was uh, one of the rare Royal Rumble debuts. Uh, this is one of those where, as fans, we waited for maybe a decade, about a decade, I got to say, you know, where we knew that this guy is one of the best wrestlers in this business. He's a top guy. And uh, if Vince McMahon would get his hands on him and realize what he had, he could turn him into one of the biggest stars in the history of the business. AJ Styles making his debut at the Royal Rumble was huge. It got a huge pop and uh, right in right from Royal Rumble to wrestling Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. And they had the match of the night at WrestleMania. And, you know, even though Jericho put over Fandango, he still beat AJ Styles. But, you know, whatever, whatever is what it is. Uh, the debut itself, though, was one of those, you know, childhood pop moments for me where uh, I lost my shit. I got excited. I uh, actually popped out loud, which is a rare thing these days. But, uh, yeah, I was super excited, very happy that AJ Styles is in the WWE doing what he does best. And uh, multiple title reigns, I just love it. AJ Styles, it was a big night, big moment, and that's why it is number six on my top ten list. Well, we will spend very little time on this topic because my number five is AJ Styles. Debuts at the 2016 Royal Rumble. Yeah, I, I can't really say much else to piggyback on top of that other than, you know, you're right. This was a big moment. This was somebody that we've been chomping at the bit for him to come in. And, you know, this guy did it right. You know, he really solidified his name to the point where when I get there, it'll be undeniable. And boy, was it. Uh, he came out. Roman Reigns was in the ring by himself. That went... When Phenomenal uh, busted on the screen, the crowd went ape shit. You know, I, you can feel Vince McMahon going, oh, okay. <laughs> and just saying, okay, well, we have him and it's working. Let's, let's, let's fucking rocket strap him. And boy, did they. You know, yes, yes, he lost to Jericho, you know, that, that year at WrestleMania. But shortly after that, one of the, you know, one of the most recent longest reigning champions for SmackDown. Uh, and shit, during the pandemic era, had... One of the most talked about matches at WrestleMania, main event in night one with The Undertaker in his farewell match. Um, but yeah, number five, AJ Styles. Sounds like he's staying on the list. Yes, for sure. We have, uh, yeah, that, that'll that give us two that we agree on so far. Yay. But uh, my number five, and I have a feeling, you know, this is generally where our, uh, our fandoms start to line up quite a bit when we get to the top half of our top ten list. And I have a feeling... This one's going to be on yours, but uh, for me, this is one that we waited for 
20 years to happen. <laughs> and uh, so when it finally did, it, this, especially since this goes all the way back to our childhoods, when we were, man, man, what would happen if Sting ever went to the WWF? What would happen if he was in the WWE? And I, you know what? I got to say, it might be one of those things where someday we might ask the question, what if the WWF signed Sting instead of the Ultimate Warrior? And we might ponder that sometime. But finally, finally, after 20 years of hoping and waiting and TNA and all this bullshit happening, Sting makes his freaking WWE debut. Really cool moment with the lights going out in the arena and the super spooky music and the, the oh really awesome and you know another debut that they fucking botched it and shit all over him the first chance they got but that moment for us as fans when he first appeared on the screen when he first talked was absolutely incredible goosebump moment i absolutely loved it I just wish it would have went a little bit better because I think Sting and WWE could have made a lot of money together and actually drawn some pay-per-view buy rates. But uh, that magical night when he finally made his debut will never disappear, and at least we got that. And that led to that great WrestleMania moment with DX and NWO facing off finally. So I loved everything about those two moments. But seeing Sting in a WWF ring was absolutely one of my favorite moments of all the times, and it is my number five moment on Top 10 Debuts. Well, I'm going to spend a little time talking about it now because I'm a little red-faced, and I'm not talking about the Wolfpack, but uh, this did not make my list. And Whoa. I know. <laughs> it did not make my list, and it's for all the reasons you said, because even though the debut was great, uh, just everything else was handled so poorly that it just kind of... It just kind of ruined it. And, you know, I thought maybe this would end up on your list. So I'm glad we got to talk about it. And, you know, I don't mind it staying because it's a big, big moment. And it is Sting. And it is something that we never thought would happen. But, you know, if we're going to continue the theme of something that no one thought was going to happen, my number four, Kurt Angle is on an undefeated streak. And he is in the ring talking all this shit, saying that no one can beat him. Uh, talk about his undefeated streak, Olympic gold medalist, all that stuff. All of a sudden, this heartbeat music starts hitting. Boom, 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 boom. And then we just see the, the orange 13 on the screen, and we see Taz with the towel come out. Man, the, the music, the atmosphere, the Madison Square Garden crowd going absolutely apeshit for Taz's WWFE debut is one of the highlights, and there was another one of those uh, debuts that I rewatched, and man, it even gave me chills uh, watching it again. And uh, you know, we can talk about his run after that, uh, but <laughs> his uh, the initial debut is something special and worth talking about for a list like this. Uh, that was great because you, I, I forgot about Taz's debut altogether completely. And so as you were setting up that story, I wrote down another debut that was made against Kurt Angle, thinking that for sure that's what you were talking about. And then you hit me with the 13, and I went, what the fuck? And he's like, oh, my God, Taz. Yes, Taz. It was so good. The crowd, like, lost their shit. And the, this was when we still got, like, serious crowd reactions back in the day. And this one is insane. I, I'm i going to go back as soon as we're done here and go back and watch that debut. Do it. Because I want to see it again. 
So good. Now, just remember it now. But, oh, yeah, now I feel like shit because I just completely blanked on Taz. Oh, great debut. And uh, I believe he choked Angle out, did he not? Oh, yeah, he choked him out. And one of my favorite bits ever is when, uh, you know, Kurt Angle's in the backstage area and they're talking and they're telling him what happened. And he's all glazed over and he's like, he choked me out. So if he choked me out, I'm, I'm, I'm still undefeated. <laughs> That's all he cared about. That's all he cared about. He, he's literally, he can't stand up because he doesn't have enough air in his head. But yeah, that's my number four. Uh, yeah, um, you hinted at a debut, uh, but uh, I'm also red-faced. That didn't end up on here either. That's on my honorable mentions. And Yeah, it's on my honorable mentions too. It's, uh, you know. This list is so crazy. Like, you know, some people are going to get left off. And you know, I did put Fondango on here. <laughs> and I already have another debut on my honorable mentions that I can't wait to share with you that Fondango got to take the place of. So <laughs> before we get there, let's get to your number four. My number four, and uh, you already touched on this one, so I'll give my review of this. Um, I can't remember if I got the Iggy on this or if I if I found the dirt sheet, something that told me about this, but seeing Eric Bischoff walk through that curtain uh, when Vince McMahon putting him over and then those two guys just giving the shittiest like oh my god we love each other way too much hug and then hugging again cause, like oh my god it was like as a as a guy who's always been kind of a mark for heels it's like one of those moments that I was like if I ever wrestle I want this kind of heat yeah, and it's not just like hate them heat. It's like confusion. It's like I thought these guys hated each other. What are we saying? <laughs> yes. This is like one of those like Vince McMahon has no uh no moral compass kind of moves. Like I can't believe this. This guy tried to put him out of business. You know, they ran that schmear campaign against WCW for all those years about trillionaire Ted and and Bischoff's just out there with the WCW billionaire checkbook and he could buy all the wrestlers he wants. And for him to give him a job and let him run his company in storyline was just an incredible heat seeking missile of just, Oh, so good. It's one of those moments where wrestling is magic and you just, you watch this kind of thing and go, Oh, this is so great. And uh, yeah, it's definitely got to be on our finalized list when we get all said and done, because it's such a great moment. Uh, This one I did rewatch again, and Bischoff going in the ring and cutting his douchey promo and, like, fake crying and all that shit. It's so masterful. This is, like, I kind of feel like Eric Bischoff's booking contributions to the business are massively overrated because I think he's, like, basically patient zero for killing the business, giving away all the stuff for on free TV and that kind of shit. And the, the crash course booking, which led to Vince Russo doing, you know, his crash TV bullshit on raw. Um, but Bischoff as a character might be up there in that conversation as one of the greatest heels of all time. And, uh, up there with Bobby Heenan and Vince McMahon. And this moment, uh, just solidified him as a big star persona in the business for me. And I loved it. And I'm, I just, uh, it's one of those times in the moment 
where even though we know it's all bullshit, we see something happen like this and it's so real and so awesome that it's you just lose yourself in it and just get lost in the magic of professional wrestling. And uh, yeah, all-time great moments, period, but definitely one of the top debuts of all time. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll get no argument from me. I love Eric Bischoff and, you know, I really appreciate him you know, now, because when I was a child and I was watching that side of the of the Monday Night War, I really hated him. He did such a good job at making my teenage ass despise him. When he fired Randy Anderson and then Randy Anderson came out with his kids and like begged for his job back. And Eric Bischoff looked at his daughter and said, sweetie, would you come over here, please? Come real close. I just want, I, could you please tell your father that he's still fired? <laughs> I hated him so much. He was such a prick. And yeah, it, it just goes to show how dedicated he was to his on-screen persona. And, you know, he may catch a lot of shit for, you know, how shit was handled. But, you know, who else are you going to compare that to? No one else gave the WWF E a run for their money like that. So despite the quote-unquote failure, no one else has been able to come close other than you know in recent events between aew and nxt but hey that's current back to nostalgia but my last three uh has a theme to it my top three are all long build-up debuts so it starts with a story and then months down the road the debut finally happens and we're going to kick it off in a big way with my number three and boy this debut i can quote the whole thing like a movie that's how impressionable this debut was for me. And it's one of my favorite feuds as a teenager. And I'll just go in and get into it. Oh my God, wait a minute. That, that, that's, that's gotta be, that's gotta be Kane. That's gotta be Kane. This was such a crazy debut for me because A, I was a huge Undertaker fan uh, in my childhood. And this story being told about his, younger brother being alive and being disfigured and all that stuff where Paul Bearer had to like basically blackmail Undertaker to do a bunch of shit along the way. And then Undertaker and Shawn Michaels have one of the most gruesome matches during that time period. One of the best Hell in the Cell matches talked about to this day. Uh, and then at the end, there's a fucked finish of the debuting Kane who just goes out there, uh, lights the ring on fire, and Tombstone's The Undertaker, and, you know, Shawn Michaels has to crawl and pin Undertaker. It was such a cool moment, uh, such a cool ending to, you know, a side pay-per-view. And, man, if you're going to debut, debut like that, where you have all of the bells and whistles attached to you, and you're going out there and destroying uh, what is considered the undestroyable at the time. So I thought a massive debut, and... Congrats to his Hall of Fame induction this year. That's my number three, Kane. Well then, my number three moment is gotta be Kane. So, <laughs> same Z. Yes. But yeah, man, I, it's it's such a cool moment. This is one of those that as soon as we started talking about doing this list, it popped right into my brain as one of the greatest moments of all time. But definitely, the maybe the most impactful debut in storyline ever uh, because up to this point the only time the undertaker had ever been vulnerable even 
was when he lost all his powers because uh, 25 guys took him down at the Royal Rumble and they ripped open his urn. And so the essence and power of the Undertaker was let loose. Um, This is the first time that any human, well, sort of human, uh, came out and was able to not only match powers with the Undertaker, but to completely decimate him to the point where Sean, who could barely stand or walk, uh, could crawl over and pin him after Kane left. So uh, absolutely great debut. I'm glad we are in agreement. This is a top three moment. And uh, so it'll stay there for the final list. Uh, I see you with your hand raised. You have one more comment to make. Go yeah, ahead, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying so hard not to be that guy, the wrestling nerd that corrects things. But before Kane, Mick Foley, Mankind, had The Undertaker's number. And, like, actually made him pass out with the mandible claw. There was that Paul Barrel, uh, Paul Bearer initial betrayal, too. So, yeah, no, Mick Foley was definitely the one that humanized The Undertaker first. But that doesn't take anything away from this debut because when you, six months prior, are being talked about on TV as The Undertaker's brother, it doesn't matter. You're already made. You're the, <laughs> you're the sibling of the most powerful character on the, uh, on the roster, you know, so... You would have to be a total schmuck to mess that up. It doesn't really get talked about enough how good of a worker Glenn Jacobs is because, you know, you can't just give that to anybody and it would work. You know, the guy, the guy, you know, was usually the first person that uh, they would give the new babyface champion to. And that's a huge honor. Like if you were the, if you won the title, you're a babyface nine times out of 10 during the next 15 years, your first title defense was Kane just to solidify that you're a fighting champion and you can take someone like that down. And I don't think Kane ever got hurt from losses. And his character was so strong, and he's one of those big guys that doesn't get enough credit as far as his contributions as a worker and a work as a work-rate wrestler, because he went out there with Big Show and did hold for hold for 10 minutes, and it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and Kane, Kane is a good worker, and uh, we were kicking around some other ideas the other day, and he's one of the people we left off uh, when we were talking about said subject. Uh, so there's another one to add to the list, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, Kane, Kane was absolutely incredible. And I will take some issue with your Mick Foley re- retort because yeah, he, you know, he jumped taker from behind and got, got, you know, laid him out that time and, and put him down with the submission hold, which is great. But like Kane just came in and undertaker was powerless yes. against him, had no chance to get a rebuttal and it was impressive. Yes. So, Taker actually I showed mean, fear with Kane. So that's, yes. that's cool. Absolutely. Hey, you know what? So it, it was more than humanizing. It was like to the point where it was like, Oh shit. And you know Taker's what? In trouble. I'm doing process of elimination right now. And I just realized you and I have the same top three and <laughs> I, I hope we ordered it. I, I hope that we ordered it the same. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, it's very it's very strongly possible because uh, I think we we one of them is the one where we kind of dis- discuss semantics, I'm sure, throughout the week uh, to make sure that it was OK to put this on our list or how we had to word it and whatnot. So uh, why don't you go ahead with your number two and we'll see if we have the same top three with the same order. Well, yeah, well, I'll cut your preamble off right there because, you know, you're on to my number two. And my number two is another long build-up storyline. And for better or worse, this changed the business for, you know, for the next few years. It, it, complete, Absolutely. it completely turned the business upside down. 
And this was the unveiling, well, the debut, official debut of the New World Order. You know, Hall and Nash came to WCW. That was all well and good. We'll call that their their debut. But when Hulk Hogan walks out and leg drops the Macho Man, and it is known that he is with those two outsiders, and he cuts that promo that we would never, ever hear. We never thought we would hear Hulk Hogan talk like this, ever. It's... It's, and the trash comes raining the trash down on the ring, in the ring, and the fans want to kill them. Yes, it was legit. Mean Gene's contribution to the segment was amazing. Tony Schiavone's call at the end of saying Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan, yeah. Even though, even though, like he gets a lot of shit for his uh, preamble before the actual betrayal happened. Um, yeah, huge moment, and it changed the business. It even, it even had to make Vince McMahon change his formula. You know, there was no DX before the NWO. There was no Stone Cold Steve Austin before the NWO. It was just, it just, it set in motion everything that I loved in uh, in the business at that time. And it, it just has to be talked about. Now, even though this wasn't any of their individual debuts, the debut of this faction is just about as deserving to be on this list as anything. Yeah, for sure. And that's what we kind of discussed this earlier in the week because I wanted, I was like, so the Scott Hall debut, you know, where they just debuted and he said, hey, I got another friend coming. Um, I was like, can I put that on the list? Does the NWO debut where Hogan is the third man count? And we agreed, yeah, it counts. So we we wrapped this whole storyline and whole, you know, week, you know, month long angle and build up to this pay-per-view as one big thing because this was a slow rollout and it was building to this point. And so we decided it counts, and I agree. It is my number two moment on my list. So I'm pretty sure our top three are all the same, and I'm really glad we agree on number one because it really is the best thing that's ever happened unless, I mean... you totally thought of something I didn't think of. <laughs> no, no, I'm showing you my shirt hard right now because I wore this shirt for this occasion because this is my favorite debut, and I don't care what anyone says. I've seen this on so many lists of being number yes. one. And the timing, uh, the the time period, you know, internet wasn't, you know, so available or used by, you know, kids my age at the time. So this was a legit surprise and this was right in the middle of the whole Y2K thing. You know, we didn't we didn't know what was going to happen on January that next year. But, like, around February, they started doing this Millennium Countdown, and it was timed perfectly to end during The Rock's promo in August. And it's just, how how do you top that? Like, that that is such a well-invested, well-paid-off debut. And... Who better to pull that off and sell it the way it was sold than my number one? Well, shit, it's already out of the bag. Our Our number number one. one. (laughs) Top 10 debut, it's Chris Jericho. I mean, come on. This is one of the best debuts ever. the, The investment that it took to interrupt the show with this countdown on pay per views, on Raws, uh, and then have it paid off with The Rock. I mean, you know, this was a handful of years when I met you guys, you know, uh, this was well known. And I don't know if she'll admit this today, but Candice, 
your sister had this whole promo memorized. And like, oh, for sure. And she would like tell, oh, I guarantee you, if she was on here today, she would have the exact same ep- answer as the best debut of all time. Uh, yeah, to the point where I think we had a promo day and she even did the little top, the little twat knot on top of her head and recited the whole promo for us because it's, I mean, this, it, this segment is my favorite promo segment of all time, period. Not just on a debut, but. Jer- I mean, this is one of the greatest promos of all time, followed up by another great promo in the same segment. This was magic. This was so great. The fact that they d- they had Jericho interrupt The Rock immediately put him in the main event spot. Like, it, this immediately announced to the audience, this guy is important. He's in there trading words with The Rock right now. And yeah, in the end, The Rock might slightly get the better of him, but after he cut that promo and the crowd reaction, oh, I've like, we just saw this again recently on the uh, the uh, smoking or the Broken Skull sessions with Austin and Jericho. Uh, they talked about this. It's so great. Um, I mean, you can't cut a promo better than what Jericho did there. And then The Rock's rebuttal was fantastic. This is one of those, again, magic moments, goosebumps. Like, I cannot wait to watch next week and the week after that and the week after that because I need to see where this is going. It was exciting. They hit an absolute grand slam with this. I love it. I'm so glad we agree this is the number one debut of all the times. It's just, oh, oh. Like, you could not do better to make a star on night one. And I believe that this is the most we've ever matched on a list. Uh, well, I we I know we've had five or six matches before, but the top three it, uh, in agreement in the same order. Yeah, we're on it today. Hashtag team clicking. And uh, oh, man, this is fantastic. But it's great because we've already got five. Uh, so our consensus top five will be Chris Jericho, the NWO, Kane, Eric Bischoff, and AJ Styles debuts. So uh, now... We got to find five other slots. Uh, so why don't we start with some honorable mentions? Uh, I know you had a couple you said you left off your list. Why don't you go ahead, Ron, and give us your uh, your uh, honorable mentions? Well, I'm dubbing these the honorable mentions, and I only have yes. two. I only have two, and uh, one of which we touched on briefly, and that is the debut of Ronda Rousey. Uh, Everyone wanted to see this match because they thought it was going to be A, really bad, or B, really good. And boy, was it really good. And it stole the show for me that day as far as, like, a legit pro wrestling match. It had everything. It had the pageantry. It had the good versus evil. It had the, 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 good, the good guys prevailing. It had the heels on their toes, the heels doing dastardly things. Start to finish was a perfect pro wrestling match. And I think... It was one of the best debuts ever, but you know, look at this list. <laughs> and yeah, I mean the Shockmaster and Fandango. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then, and, well, and then uh, see my inclusion we, of I, Fandango would really piss you off from my other honorable mention, and that is who you call God. Shinsuke Nakamura's <laughs> debut on NXT was something special. His uh, his build up, his announcement on coming in, and then. During his entrance, I think the thing that sticks out the most, other than the match itself, was just the look on Sami Zayn's face while he's making his entrance. And it's so genuine, so real, 
not even in match mode, just, I can't believe I'm going to wrestle this guy. Just excited as shit. <laughs> and just, like, marking out with the rest of us. And I thought it was a cool moment. Uh, but, yeah, I had to I had to boot him off the list just to see your reaction to the Shockmaster and Fondango. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's great. I didn't even have, I, I didn't have either of those as honorable mentions. Um, because, again, uh, with Kurt Angle involved, there wasn't yet another debut that we haven't talked about yet. And it's one of my honorable mentions. It was the birth of the term ruthless aggression uh, where uh, and again it was a hometown you know boy and a hometown thing where uh kurt angle was doing his you know open challenge and challenging local talent in all the places and uh here comes this jacked up absolute just just specimen of a man looking like an adonis and uh, lo and behold john cena gets the win over kurt angle and uh then muddled around in mediocrity for a couple years, and then by random chance on a Halloween episode, dresses like Vanilla Ice and uh, does his little rap, and his career takes off. They were about to cut him, which was amazing, but his debut uh, was one of the more impactful debuts. Getting a win over Kurt Angle at that point in his prime was a huge deal, and so to come on a debut, big night, big moment for John, and uh, I, I just I gotta say I miss the old gear. I love the old gear, but, you know, uh, it's worked out pretty good for him. Yeah, I think it worked out pretty well. I mean, he did go from looking like default wrestler number one uh, to, you know, <laughs> to the doctor of thugonomics. But, yeah, no, it, that's one of those debuts that I didn't even consider because, like I said, I, I, I thought all the top guys just had less than stellar debuts. Uh, I, I didn't really care for that one. Um, well, and then here's another thing, like, um, especially in WWF, um, guys didn't used to have big debuts where they would de- debut a guy in a top spot um, because they really wanted to solidify guys back in the day and build them up before they put them in there with top guys. Um, and that's where the vignettes kind of debuted, you know. Um, but if, you, if you're just talking about, like, the build-ups to, to debuts, Carlito was fantastic. Uh, everyone still talks about the Mr. Perfect, you know, vi- vignettes. Everyone talks about the million dollar man vignettes like they used to introduce you to a character and then you'd get six weeks of vignettes and then they'd go out there and beat up, you know, beat the shit out of a a job guy. And and then they do job matches for six months and then they move up the card. And so we don't get a lot of these impactful debuts. That's more of that's almost due to the. Uh, the Eric Bischoff crash TV type stuff. I mean, like Lex Luger would be one that we didn't talk about when he returned to WCW, even though it wasn't his debut really, but like Lex Luger, when they brought him to WWF, he did the narcissist. They showed the promos. They had Bobby Heenan talking about him. And then he came out and killed some guys, but uh, you know, ravishing Rick rude being on both shows in the same night, that kind of stuff. Um, so like these big time high impact debuts is really something that didn't start until the nineties. So, you know, we're not being recency bias where our, our, our recency bias isn't showing here. This isn't something that typically happened before the, you know, the mid nineties. Yeah. So. I mean, it's just a product of the time. Like even though debuts were different, you know, by the time debuts were theatric, I mean, you can't argue that they got better, you know? 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, so that's why, and that's why this list is a thing. But hey, we got the first four. Uh, you said five. I'm gonna bust it out right now and go with the ones that we agreed and said should stay. I think one of them should be Taz. I got no problem with Taz. We will put Taz on the list. Uh, I think Sting is another one Absolutely. that we should probably put on the list. In fact, I think I will put that in the next spot on the list. We agreed that was a big moment. Yes. Um. Looking at your list, Brock Lesnar was on my honorable mention, so I'd like to say maybe we put Brock Lesnar on there. So that gives us eight. We got two more. Well, let me just pitch this because it's going to be one of mine and one of yours. I can't decide between two of yours, though, because Rey Mysterio was such a big night. But as far as the business progressing and changing, that DX formation was also a big thing. Um, one of the most over groups of that time period. So, as far as one of mine, uh, I only have one that I'm gonna throw in this, throw in the ring here, and I'm gonna say Big Shows was probably as unique as you can get. You know, uh, coming up through the ring during an Austin McMahon feud, which was the hottest feud at the time, and throwing the top guy through a cage. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good with Big Show. And uh, I had DX uh, ranked a little higher than Ray, so if you're if we're gonna coin flip between those two, I think I'll roll with the DX one. Um, obviously had a bigger impact on the business as a whole going forward. I mean, Ray ended up being a world champion at some point, but realistically, we all know Ray's spot was in the top of the middle card or the bottom of the top, however you want to do it. He just kind of settled into that range. Whereas DX is one of the all time great factions. Um, and it, it, it only, it actually got better. I think it was more popular after Sean was gone than it was before, which is weird because I don't think any of these four guys was close to as over as Shawn Michaels was, but the group as a whole was definitely, um, I think it got bigger after Sean stepped away uh, to the point where when Sean returned years later, they had another, you know, PG, you know, family friendly PG version of DX, which was all comedy all the time, which was a lot of fun. I got to say, like, I know a lot of people shit all over that DX it. run, but I loved it. Me too. I loved the stuff with the spirit squad. I loved the slime. I loved all the shit with vince and shane it was so entertaining and i don't care it's okay to be silly sometimes guys it's okay so that will leave us here is our top 10 list the uh creative team official top 10 list number 10 dx and xpoc or xpoc debuting and the new formation of the new dx including the new age outlaws number nine the big show debuts and chokeslams the, the stone cold steve austin through the cage to give him the win somehow. <laughs> such a cool, such a cool finish. Uh, number eight, Brock Lesnar decimates everybody and uh, establishes himself as the beast incarnate. Number seven, Taz making his debut, choking out Kurt Angle in New York. Number six, Sting finally making his WWE debut. Uh, number five, AJ Styles. Uh, debuting at the Royal Rumble. Number four, oh, Eric Bischoff joins <laughs> oh, forces with Vince McMahon One of the to best. become the general manager of Raw. Number three, The Undertaker's dead brother rises from the ashes to cost him 
one of the greatest uh, Hell in a Cell matches of all time. Man, that feud was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, the whole NWO debut, uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hogan is the third man. And of course, number one, uh, just consensus. All of these lists pretty much had this as one or two. I think it's safe to say that Chris Jericho's debut on Monday Night Raw is the greatest debut of all the times. And that's what the creative team has to say on the matter. Ronald, uh, any closing thoughts on this before we get out of here? I thought this was a great debut episode uh, for the creative (laughs) team. Uh, absolutely, yes. Number one is Chris Jericho, hands down. And if you don't like it, you can find us on at Creative Team Pod on Twitter, and you can tell us how wrong we are. We love to hear from you. Uh, you can also follow me at, at Ron for Your Life and Cole. What's your Twitter handle, sir? I am at Cole two one three zero on the Twitter, and you can find me on the Instagrams. I do believe I have the same name on Instagram, which is fantastic. And as of course we're on the Facebook now, you can go find us on Facebook. We are in the process of changing things over and updating it, but it's us. Trust us. You know, if you're already following us, uh, you're still there. Don't worry about it. You know, this is going to be great. Uh, we're going to do a lot of fantasy wrestling coming up. we got a lot of ideas on the board. Ron and I are invigorated and excited. So much so, may I add, that we're going to announce what we're doing next week. Because next week is a part one fantasy draft, and we are going by the year. So I'm going to have a roster, Cole's going to have a roster, and we're going to make our cards, and we're going to present them to the judges, and the judges is going to pick the best show amongst our cards and the year we're going with is a pivotal year in the wrestling business this is 2002 the ruthless aggression era is on fire tna is a thing and we i know i have some dream matches building up and cooking in my head i am coming for you sir with every fiber of my being i'm going to draft some of the best workers of that time period i'm so excited it's one of my favorite years of matchups my favorite years of like rosters uh i'm really excited to put this together and present it to the judges what say you uh no yeah this is great this is going to be our most recent fantasy draft that we've done um and and when we were discussing we was like oh let's do something a little more recent let's not go let's not go all the way back to the 90s or the 80s and uh this was great um this the the thing that sealed the deal was that tna existed at this point which was great so yeah i cannot wait i love the fantasy draft it's one of my favorite uh ideas and I'm so glad that uh, I finally got someone who believed in it and allowed me to do it. Um, I've been kicking around this idea for a couple of years, but I'm just so glad that it it worked and it wasn't a flop. And uh, we're going to give you all kinds of fantasy content here. With the creative team. Oh, sorry. We upgraded, guys. I had to do it once. I just had to do it once today. <laughs> so uh, that's going to do it. Uh, but new podcast, Ronald, would you like to do the outro to the first episode of the creative team? Well, you know, you're putting me on the spot here, so I'm just going to kind of make up an outro on the fly. Folks, thanks for jumping aboard the Ron Stoppable Coal Train. Your stop is here, and we bid you a farewell.